Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to do so, so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe with your favorite podcast software, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Good Pods, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. Of course, today's Black Friday, and I do want to encourage you to order your Famous Investigator t-shirt at famous.greatdetectives.net to make sure that you get it by Christmas. But now, let's get into this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date, June the 8th, 1954, and the title is The Sarah Deering Man. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, John Lund as... Johnny Dollar. Get gross, Johnny. Busy? No, I just finished the case. How can I help you? I'd like you to fly to California, Palma, California. Investigate the death of a woman who was reported to have perished in a fire, uh, Sarah Deering. Sarah Deering? Her name has a familiar ring. The silent movie star. Oh, yeah. Well, she retired in the 20s, didn't she? At the peak of her career. Our company carries a $100,000 policy on her life, and there's a rumor in Palma that Sarah Deering's death was not due to the fire. Oh, yeah? We got the tip from a news item in the local paper, the Palma News. Who benefits by her death? Her estate. We have no way of learning whom she appointed as executor of her estate or who the beneficiaries might be, but a claim for the 100000 will undoubtedly reach us before long. Meanwhile, I'm to investigate this rumor? Yeah. I'll send you our file on Sarah Deering and the newspaper item that gave us the tip. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you John Lund in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum present these weekly adventures of Johnny Dollar because they know that millions of you enjoy Johnny Dollar. That's true of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, too. It's enjoyed by millions, day in and day out. People find that chewing on a smooth, delicious piece of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum somehow makes time pass more pleasantly. Whether you're working, driving, shopping, or just taking things easy, that good, tasty chewing gives you enjoyment and satisfaction. So always keep a package of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. And whenever you want a refreshing, delicious treat, chew a stick. You'll like it. You really will. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Federal Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Sarah Deering matter. Expense account item one, $153, plane fare and incidentals from Hartford to International Airport, Inglewood, California. I rented a convertible and drove to Palma. 
a little village perched high in the Santa Rosa Mountains, overlooking a thousand square miles of Mojave Desert. I registered at the town's only hotel, then dropped around the offices of the Palma News. Oh, hello. Can I help you? I'm looking for the editor, uh, Lacey, M. Lacey. I'm Lacey, Maggie Lacey. The editor? The editor. You're kidding. I wish you salesmen would think of a new approach. I'm just a little weary excusing the fact that I'm not a grizzled old character who drinks ink in his coffee. Miss Lacey. And I've got all the printing supplies I need. I'm sorry. Perhaps the next time you pass through... I'm here to talk about a news item, Miss Lacey. Which item? This one. Well, what about it? Well, it says that there are some rather peculiar circumstances, uh, quote, surrounding the recent death of Palmer's most famous citizen, Miss Sarah Deering. These circumstances were discovered by the Palmer News and brought to the attention of, as of this writing, Sheriff Cox has chosen to ignore the evidence submitted by the news. Why? Unquote. You write that? Yes. And uh, you submitted the evidence to Sheriff Cox? Yes, I did. What sort of evidence, Miss Lacey? I'm not sure that's any of your business, Mr... Dollar. Johnny Dollar. My credentials. Oh, insurance investigator. For federal life. They insured Sarah Deering? For $100,000. Who's the beneficiary, Mr. Dollar? Her estate. The executor hasn't contacted my company as yet. In fact, we don't know who he is or where to reach him. Hmm. 100000 you said. Just waiting to be claimed. And that would explain why she was killed. What did you say? Sarah Deering was murdered, Mr. Dollar. I'm almost positive on it. You'd better explain, Miss Lacey. Well, as you know, Sarah Deering was burned to death in her bed. At least that's what the county coroner certified. Accidental death due to fire of unknown origin. But you disagree. And I'll show you why. I found this in the ruins of her bedroom. A medicine bottle. Mm-hmm. The label was burned off. What's this stuff caked in the bottom? Well, Pete, the local pharmacist, analyzed it for me. It's what's left of a very powerful sedative. Is this the evidence you submitted to the sheriff? Mm-hmm. And he said it wasn't anything to be concerned about. Now, listen, Mr. Dollar. The stuff in this bottle can only be purchased by prescription. And it wasn't purchased here in Palma. So? So, I think those two men brought it. I think they drugged Sarah Deering and then rigged up some kind of contraption that would start a fire in her bedroom after they got out of town. Hey, hold on. You left me with two men. What two men? The ones who come to see Sarah Deering every year on the same day. Who are they? Nobody seems to know. They usually come together on the noon bus and leave town on the 6.20. I took a photograph of them last year. Planned to do a story on them someday, you know, from the angle of mysterious admirers make yearly pilgrimage to see ex-movie queen. Here it is. Hmm. And these men appeared on the day of her death. Mm Mm-hmm. They left on the 620, and the fire was discovered at 8. Any idea where they come from? Hollywood. I've checked with the bus drivers. Hmm. You've done a very thorough job, Miss Lacey. Sarah Deering has been my idol ever since I was old enough to dream. I read everything ever written about her. She was a wonderful woman. Yeah, so I've heard. I understand she was a recluse. <laughs> what woman wouldn't be after the heartbreak she's had? You know, she died broke, Mr. Dollar. Except for the insurance policy. Did she owe anyone? No. No, there was just enough left in her bank account to pay her a few debts and Hilda's wages. Who's Hilda? Hilda Brower, her personal maid. Been with her ever since she started in pictures. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for your help, Miss Lacey. I'll keep in touch.
I found County Sheriff Dan Cox seated behind a well-ordered desk in his well-ordered office. He listened carefully while I explained the purpose of my call. And when I finished, he wagged his massive shock of silver-white hair. Ah, Mr. Dollar, I'm afraid your company has been misled by an overzealous newspaper woman. Sarah Deering's death was accidental. What about the sedatives found in her room, Sheriff? Maggie Lacey claims they were prescription drugs not purchased here in Palma. Then Miss Deering must have purchased them elsewhere. A recluse who hadn't been off her estate for 20 years? Hilda Brower, her maid, went lots of places for Miss Deering. Uh-huh. How about the two men who called on her the day of her death? Old friends, Mr. Dollar, came to see Miss Deering every year on her birthday. You know them, Sheriff? Yes. You care to give me their names? I would care, Mr. Dollar. They were friends of a very fine lady. I know she wouldn't want them to be annoyed because of some foolish rumors about her death. You seem very certain that it was accidental. It couldn't have been anything else. Sarah Deering didn't have an enemy in the world. I get the impression that you knew her rather well. We were close friends, Mr. Dollar. I see. Sheriff, did you consider the possibility of suicide? Impossible. A woman who enjoyed living as much as she did doesn't take her own life. Yet she shut herself away from the world. And why not? Her fame had brought her most of what the world had to offer. She preferred solitude. Was she in good health, Sheriff? Sarah Deering was always in delicate health, though she'd never admit it, especially to herself. I see. Was there an autopsy? The county coroner felt the circumstances didn't warrant an autopsy. And you agreed? Naturally, Mr. Dollar. I happen to be sheriff and county coroner. I drove to the outskirts of town and located Sarah Deering's rambling Spanish villa, where I found Hilda Brower, an enormous, tearful woman. <laughs> it was my evening out. Same as every Thursday, Mr. Dollar. I go to early movie. I'm home at eight. I smell smoke. It comes from her bedroom. There's fire. I try to reach her, but the flames... It's all right. <laughs> you did what you could, I'm sure. Excuse me, please. I'm, I'm not myself, you understand? Of course. Hilda, <laughs> who were the two men who visited Miss Deering that day? Two men? The ones who came every year on her birthday. I do not know any men. Now, Hilda, I know you're upset, I cannot tell you anymore. I don't know anymore. You know their names, Hilda. What are they? I cannot say anymore. Please, go away now. Now, look, Hilda, you all I... best leave, Mr. Dollar. Oh. Well, Sheriff Cox. Hilda can't tell you any more than I've already told you. Case is closed. Why persist in stirring up ugly rumors? I've got a job to do, Sheriff. You've done it. Now, why not leave us in peace? I'll be going... When I'm satisfied. That's your privilege, sir. Meanwhile, don't trespass on this property again. Just as you say, Sheriff. Goodbye. Sheriff Cox didn't bother to see me out, so I had a chance to pause in Sarah Deering's living room and study some photographs which had caught my eye earlier. There were four of them, all enshrined in gold frames... All of the same handsome young man. The face was weak-mouthed, without character, and vaguely familiar. Oh, Mr. Dollar, you back so soon? Any luck? I don't know yet, Miss Lacey. May I see the photograph of those mysterious visitors you showed me before? Oh, yes, of course. 
Here you are. Hmm. You got a lead, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, I think so. You see this man? The tall one? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, there are four photos of him in Sarah Deering's living room. Were they autographed? No. But they were framed in enough gold to indicate he must have held a very special place in her life. Of course, he's a lot older in this photograph. How about his pudgy little companion here? Well, apparently he didn't rate enshrinement. Only the tall one made the Hall of Fame. I wonder who he is. Miss Lacey, are you absolutely positive these two men visited Sarah during the day she died? Oh, yes, absolutely. Thanks. I'll borrow this photo, if you don't mind. Be back tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Dollar, Johnny Wade. Yeah? Where are you going in such a ladder? To the Hollywood Public Library to find a name for this face. If you think the person in this photograph was an actor, Mr. Dollar, his picture and name will undoubtedly be catalogued in the player's directory or prior to 1937, the standard casting directory. Well, fine. However, unless you know approximately when he was active, you may be in for a very long search. Oh? A new edition of the directory is published three times a year. Each contains hundreds of performers. I see. Well, dust off the 1923 editions. I'll work my way forward. and what seemed to be 400,000 faces later, I found my man in a 1928 edition of the Standard Casting Directory. He was Neville Thomas, represented by an agent named Matty Freeman. A phone call to the Artist Managers Guild disclosed that Freeman had gone out of business 10 years ago. He was now owner of Matty's Steakhouse, an expensive eatery on La Cienega Boulevard, Hollywood's restaurant row. At the bar, I was about to relieve my parched throat when who should approach but the pudgy little man in the photo Maggie Lacey had loaned me. Oh, I'm Matty Freeman. Uh, Edward said you want to see me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. I, uh, didn't catch your name, Mr. Dollar. Johnny Dollar. Insurance investigator. Uh, what can I do for you? Well, I was looking for an actor you used to represent, Neville Thomas. But you'll do fine. For now... I don't understand uh, this photo. Give you a hint. Neville and me. Taken in Palma last year. What you get this? That's not what I'm here to talk about, Mr. Freeman. Okay, so you've got a photograph. And a witness who saw you and Neville Thomas in Palma a few hours before Sarah Deering died. I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Dolan. If you'll excuse... Just a minute. What is it? You mean to say that you've never heard of Sarah Deering? It was my privilege to be in the business when Sarah Deering was making motion picture history. Well, feeling the way you do, it seems to me you'd be willing to cooperate. How? Explain what you were doing in Palmer the day Sarah Deering died. I should explain anything to you. I just thought maybe you'd like to clear yourself. What? Suspicion of Sarah Deering's murder? I'm having a pipe in Dallas. Sarah Deering died in a fire. Okay. Then let's move on to Neville Thomas. Where can I find him? I wouldn't know. All right. Have it your way. I'll find Neville Thomas with or without your help. My company can usually get police cooperation. I'll see you, Mr. Freeman. Uh, one second, Dollar. Yeah? Uh, just what does police cooperation imply? Oh, a statewide alarm for Neville Thomas. Wanted for questioning in connection with the death of Sarah Deering. The sheriff at Palmer certified a death was accidental. The matter's closed. Any matter of murder can always be reopened. 
It'll be messy. Lots of newspaper publicity. But I'm going to find Thomas. See you around. Uh, wait, Dollar. Yeah? Neville Thomas is in my office. No matter what kind of work you do, there are bound to be times when the job seems monotonous. You feel tense and restless, and you need something to give you a boost. Well, you'll be surprised how helpful a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum can be at times like that. You see, chewing on a smooth piece of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum is a natural way to ease tension and relieve that feeling of restlessness. The easy chewing gives you satisfaction. You get a nice little lift out of it. And Wrigley's Spearmint Gum tastes good, too. Its flavor is lively, refreshing spearmint, a flavor millions enjoy. Try it and see for yourself. Get a few packages of Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum and chew a stick from time to time while you work. Chewing this delicious gum will make your job seem easier and pleasanter. It really will. And now with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Matty Freeman. Matty Freeman led me back to his office with all the grudging grace of a kid surrendering a stolen apple. The man he introduced as Neville Thomas was still handsome, but branded with a bitter, down at the mouth expression. You ask me if I knew Sarah Deering. Why, I was her leading man in five pictures, Mr. Dollar. She was a vixen, temperamental. The most exasperating woman in the world. But she had a great gift, Neville. A gift for stealing scenes, yes. When did you last see her, Mr. Thomas? Yes? All right. Excuse me, I'm wanted outside. I know you'll cooperate with Mr. Dollar, Neville. Don't worry, Matty. <laughs> My ex-agent stole me blind when I was on the top of the heap. I drop around here once in a while to admire the house my money built. Let's get back to Sarah Deering. If you insist. When did you see her last? Not since our last picture. Oh, that's not true. No? You saw her the day she died. I'm afraid you're mistaken, Mr. Dollar. You were positively identified. By whom? By someone who's seen you in Parma every year on Sarah Deering's birthday. <laughs> Fantastic. Take a look at this photograph. Care to reconsider your answer? Only to this extent, Mr. Dollar. I'll admit I did visit Sarah Deering occasionally, as seldom as possible, and only after she besieged me with letters and phone calls. You see, Sarah was in love with me. I had been for many years. Oh. And you? <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't share Matty's adoration for her, Mr. Dollar. Uh, pity is the nicest word to express my feeling for Sarah. I see. What do you know about the real cause of her death? I read that she died in a fire. Has there been some further development? You were seen leaving her home less than two hours before the fire was discovered. <laughs> Impossible. I can prove I was here in Hollywood at the apartment of a friend. Who? Matty Freeman. Well, it didn't take a mental colossus to deduce that Thomas and his ex-agent had rehearsed their alibi before I ever set foot in the steakhouse. A clincher, if I needed one, 
came as I pulled out of the parking lot. I spotted Matty talking to someone in a parked sedan. The someone obliged by striking a match to his cigar, which revealed that it was Sheriff Dan Cox. Right then, I decided to call it a day. I registered at the plaza, took an aspirin, a hot shower, and a sleeping tablet in that order. Lucky you, lucky you, whoever you are. It's Maggie Lacey, Johnny. I've got to see you right away. This is Maggie. It's two o'clock in the morning. I'll drive down first thing tomorrow. I'm not phoning from Palmer, Johnny. I'm here in Hollywood. I'll meet huh? you in the plaza lobby in five minutes. Hello, hello, Maggie. What? Hey, Maggie. Johnny. Oh, you look awful. Oh, I told you. I took a sleeping tablet. Oh, it's a blockbuster. Oh, my eyelids feel like lead sash weights. Oh, come here. Let's sit down over here. Okay. Smell it, Maggie. Ooh, make it snappy. Well, when I missed you at the library, I decided to do a little research on Sarah Deering. Well, good for you. Good well, they for have you. a wonderful Sarah Deering scrapbook with all her news photos and clippings. I, um, borrowed this. Hey. Hey, do these agonized eyes deceive me or the people in this photo... Read the caption, Johnny. Relaxing with Miss Sarah Deering beside her Hollywood swimming pool are the four lucky people to whom the motion picture star will someday leave her multi-million-dollar estate. They are, left to right, Miss Hilda Brower, her personal maid, Mr. Matty Freeman, her agent... Neville Thomas, her current leading man, and Dan Cox, her attorney. Think of it, Johnny. Sheriff Cox, the man who insists her death was accidental, is one of her heirs. Well, I'm not the least surprised. Well, I'll see you in the morning, Maggie. Well, Johnny, wait. Aren't you going to do something? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to point you toward the YWCA, then send a wire to my company. Well, wait. Quietly for an answer. Oh, no. Johnny Dollar. Ed Gross, Johnny. Oh, hello. What time is it? Nine here. Six where you are. Oh, no. Hey, I, I got your wire. What are you doing in Hollywood? Tried phoning you on Palmer last night. Where have you been? I'll explain later, Mr. Gross. Say, how, how about Sarah Deering's insurance? Anybody claim the 100000 yet? Yeah, got a registered letter yesterday. Mailed two days ago from the executor of her estate. Yeah? Who is he? A Palmer man named Cox. Dan Cox. I checked out of the plaza, expense account item three, $12.00. And was halfway to Palmer before I realized I'd forgotten to pick up Maggie Lacey. But I quieted my conscience by making a mental promise that she'd get an exclusive story on Hilda Brower's confession. At this point, confronted with all the information I had, I figured Hilda would be the easiest of the four heirs to break. I learned how wrong a guy can be when I pulled into the drive of Sarah Deering's villa and discovered 
I was expected. Come in, Mr. Dollar. Well, you do get around, Sheriff. Yes, you too, sir. Fortunately, your moves are fairly predictable. So you're here to see that I don't talk to Hilda again, hmm? Hilda is ill. She can't be disturbed. Let me read you a caption on an old newspaper photo. Relaxing with Miss Sarah Deering beside her Hollywood swimming pool are the four lucky people to whom the motion picture star will someday leave her multi-million dollar estate. They are left to right Hilda Brower, Matty Freeman... Oh, you need Neville to go T- on, Mr. Dollar. I see what you're driving at. You think the four of us murdered Miss Deering for her insurance? Well, it's the most logical theory to date, Sheriff. Hmm. Especially since you happen to be the executor of the estate. Mr. Dollar, Sarah Deering was not murdered. However, I will admit that she did not die as a result of the fire. Oh? She was dead when the fire was started. Started? Who was the firebug? Hilda. She came home, found Miss Deering dead, an open bottle of sedatives beside the bed. A suicide. That's what Hilda thought. She must have gone out of her head with grief. She told me later that her only thought was to protect Miss Deering's name from the shame of a suicide's death. So she set the fire to destroy the evidence? Yes. And to circumvent the suicide clause in Sarah Deering's policy. What's that? Policy is not payable if the insured dies by her own hand, Sheriff. Your tone implies that I was unaware of that fact, Mr. Dollar. I'm not interested one way or the other. My job's finished. I'm reporting death by suicide to my company. You haven't heard the full story, Mr. Dollar. There's more? Sarah Deering was not a suicide. You just said she was. I said Hilda thought she was. Get to the point, Sheriff. After Matty Freeman and Neville Thomas paid Miss Deering their usual birthday visit, she had another caller. Who? He's down the hall in the study. This way. Because of your skepticism, Mr. Dollar, I had to request the state police to get the man you're going to meet. While the hunt was going on, I knew you'd be tracking down Matty Freeman and Thomas, that you'd dig into Miss Deering's past, find things which would be misleading... Well, the maneuvering is over now. This gentleman can tell you the real truth about Sarah Deering's death. Mr. Dollar, this is Dr. James Harding. Oh, so you're a dollar, huh? That's right. Oh, you've caused a lot of trouble, Dollar. Broke up the first vacation I've had in ten years. I'm sorry, but there's a matter of a hundred thousand dollars. Please don't interrupt. I've got to be back in Beverly Hills by noon. Got patients waiting. Well, then get to the point, Doctor. All right, all right. I've got a little hideout in the desert. That's where the state police found me. I was on my way there the day Sarah Deering died. Had to pass through Palmer, so I stopped off to see Sarah. Dr. Harding was her physician, Mr. Dollar. And a very old friend. I was about seven when I drove up. I found her alone. She'd had a sudden attack. She was dying. Dying? Uh, Sarah Deering had been dying for years, Mr. Dollar. I won't go into the medical details. Suffice it to say, her courage couldn't hold off the inevitable any longer. As she was feeling fast in great pain. So you gave her the sedative? Yes. She died quietly. Then uh, Jim came down to my office to report her death. I was out on a call. I didn't want to wait, so I filled out a death certificate, left it with a note on Dan's desk, and then drove on to my desert place. Meanwhile, Hilda returned home from the movies, found Miss Deering dead, and the bottle of sedative Jim had forgotten. The rest you know, Mr. Dollar. Well, it's none of my affair or my company's. But uh, just for the record, why did you report Sarah Deering died as a result of the fire? 
If I'd reported the real truth, then I would have had to charge a very devoted servant and companion with arson. But Hilda did set the fire, Sheriff, and arson is a crime. Mr. Dollar, do you think Hilda committed a crime? Well, legally, yes, but morally, well, as I said, it's none of my affair, is it? Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, Mr. Dollar. Expense account item number four, $5 to check out of the Palma hotel room I never had the chance to use. Item five, $51.75, gas, oil, and rental on the convertible. Item number six, $150, plane fare and incidentals back to Hartford. Expense account total, $372.25. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, next time you chew a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, notice how cool and fresh it makes your mouth feel. That's because Wrigley's Spearmint Gum has lots of lively, refreshing, real spearmint flavor in every stick. The minute you sink your teeth in, that cooling flavor begins to freshen your taste and relieve that hot, dry feeling in your throat. It sweetens the breath, too. Millions of people carry Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum with them wherever they go for quick, long-lasting refreshment and for real chewing enjoyment. Next time you're at the store, get some Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Enjoy its refreshing flavor and good, pleasant chewing often, every day. Remember, that's Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. This is Charles Lyon inviting you to join us again next week at this time when John Lund again transcribes his expense account as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is the CBS Radio Network. Welcome back. One thing I will say for this story is that Sarah Deering is a great name for a silent film actress. That said, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. Sheriff Cox is the worst. Johnny was understandably skeptical, and so Sheriff Cox decided, you know what, I'm just going to call in the doctor who can clear everything up. But I'm not going to tell Johnny Dollar this. I'm going to make him go down and spend hours to figure out who these two people are that I could have just told him who they were. And he'll have to travel to see them. And he doesn't actually need to see them if I would just tell them what's going on. And now we know what was going on with Marty. He explained all this to Marty, and Marty said, so let me get this straight. I'm having to take time away from my business and having to get my friend 
to come and answer questions about a murder case when we don't actually need to. You could have just told him, why are you doing this? Well, he is investigating. That's kind of his job. Well, he's acting like something's going on and that things aren't as they seem. They aren't as they seem. You're covering up an arson. But don't you see, he'll eventually end up coming back and then I will be able to be all smug and say, oh, your methods are so predictable. And we'll teach him a lesson, not only doing his job, but having logical thought processes too. So you see, Marty, it's all part of the plan. Now, besides that, uh, the sheriff doesn't make decisions on charging people. And just because people committed a crime doesn't mean you have to charge them with the crime. Particularly if no one's, you know, pressing charges. That decision would be made by the prosecutor. So... He's essentially making this long excuse for filing a false report because, again, he's the worst. Though I don't think a whole lot of this uh, doctor friend who saw one of his oldest and dearest friends pass away. And he sat there and said, wow, she's gone. Probably the lady who has served her for so many decades is going to be back any minute and she'll be traumatized for life if she finds like this. Oh well, uh, let me get this death certificate filled out. Vacation, all I ever wanted. Or whatever song uh, people would sing before the days of Cindy Lauper. It was also odd that Johnny was described as taking a sleeping pill. I can't recall any episode before this that Johnny took a sleeping pill or any episode afterwards. And I'm trying to think. It's a weird thing I've, you know, I've heard reference to detectives telling us they went to sleep, but never before, I think, on any other series. I'm trying to recall anywhere they took a sleeping pill. Now, this script was written by Don Sanford, who had a total of three scripts for the series. The other two were from 1953, and both were a little bit uh, different than your typical Johnny Dollar story. He wrote The Bobby Foster Matter, which was about counterfeit uh, polio treatments for kids. I had to practice uh, to say the name of the treatment when I was recording the episode, so I'm not going to do that again. Uh, and then they had the Independent Diamond Traders, matter which focused on diamond smuggling that was undermining traders on the New York Diamond Exchange. And I think in those two cases the mysteries were flawed, but they were more interesting stories for me because, you know, he did some really good research. In this case, the story is so straightforward that the flaws in the mystery really do become a lot more apparent. As I said, this is the last uh, story that Don Sanford would write for Johnny Dollar. So next week we'll be back to Sidney Marshall. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we have an email from Mike who writes, You read an email that recommended the Dan Frank episode because it was good. I just started listening, but I can't believe this episode will have anything more surprising than a PSA from the State Department saying they tell other countries how many seals they are allowed to kill a year. Well, thanks for the comment, Mike. 
Now, obviously, I, I think that that referenced the State Department having authority over seals killed in U.S. waters. There were nine other countries where you could hunt seals, so I don't think the U.S. was intending to say the State Department could regulate that. Now, of course, seal hunting has been illegal in U.S. waters and on the high seas by U.S. citizens since 1972 with the passage of the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Most seal hunting today occurs in Canada or Greenland. Over on YouTube, a listener agreed with my analysis that the Nathan uh, Swing Matter was probably borrowed from another series, perhaps the lineup. he writes, uh, your analysis makes so much sense that said Blake Edwards is such a good writer, it just belongs somewhere else. And I definitely agree. It'd be fun to, you know, have the episode of the lineup that that came from. I don't think it's in circulation, though. Thanks so much for the comment. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Cindy, Patreon supporter since March of 2020. Currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for the support, Cindy. And that will do it for today. You can subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode. Use your favorite podcast software, whether it's Good Pods, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or the Amazon Music app at Amazon.com slash OTR Detectives. Also, be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But coming up tomorrow, listen for Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Sure glad you got here, Jace. The whole ruckus smells higher than a polecat sitting on a hot stove. Hmm. How bad off is the kid, Sheriff? Pretty bad, Jace. Doc's in there with him now. Poison been identified? Not yet. I'd sure like to talk to Johnny Buck's manager. Is he around anywhere? Nope. What's more, he never even showed for the fight. What? You mean he wasn't in Buck's corner? No, he wasn't. Then when I learned Buck had been poisoned... This really reeks. Seems like Morales stayed away because he knew what was going to happen. Of course. Oh, I did see him outside the arena about eight tonight. Rushed up to me all in a sweat because his kid sister Nina was going to elope with Johnny Buck right after the fight. Said she was underage, wanted me to take her into custody if she showed up. That doesn't make sense. All Morales had to do was stick close to Johnny Buck. The girl would have to show sometime. Yeah. Gave me some story like if I stayed on the lookout at the arena, he'd be able to search for her among her friends. So far, i never seen hide in her hair of her. Where'd he go after he talked to you? Inside the arena. Said he had to see Chico Valdez. That's Johnny's trainer. Then I saw him drive off, oh, maybe 15 minutes later. I want Morales picked up, Sheriff. Right now, he stacks up a pretty fair suspect. Yeah. He sure had the motive. Could have done plenty in 15 minutes. Oh, Jace, that's Doc signaling. We can go in now. We weren't in there very long. Johnny Buck died mumbling Mike Morales' name. We checked the time for autopsy and sent out a pickup call for Morales. As we started out down the corridor, a pretty young Mexican girl came toward us, excitedly, almost in tears. Can you please tell me which room I can find Johnny Buck? Are you Nina Morales? Yes, I am. Uh, Nina, this is Ranger Pearson. He'd like to ask you a few questions. I've got to see Johnny. I know he's expecting me. Let's 
Let's go into the waiting room, Nina. Sit down, Nina. Why can't I see Johnny first? I'll come right back here. Honest, I will. In a few minutes. Nina, perhaps you can tell us why your brother wasn't in Johnny's corner tonight. I think because he's no longer Johnny's manager. Why did he break up with Johnny? On account of me. It was silly. Mike said he didn't want me running around with prize fighters. Said Johnny wasn't good enough for me. How would he know Johnny's good and kind? Mm. When did Mike find out about you and Johnny? I don't know for sure. He warned Johnny, but we still kept seeing each other. And last night I know Chico saw us. And, well, when Johnny brought me home, there was Big Mike waiting for us. What happened? Well, when I told him Johnny and I were going to get married, he went wild. He slapped me, and then he and Johnny had it out. They fought? Johnny gave him a beating. What happened after that? He told Johnny they were through. He said before we could ever get married, he'd kill Johnny first. Yeah, Mike probably said that out of anger. Oh, he has a terrible temper. But I think he's going to feel differently after we're married. Thanks, Nina. That's all. I can go now? I can see Johnny? Yes. Uh, Nina? Yes? Nina, you don't want to see him. Not now. But I do. That's why I came. What's wrong? Anything happened to him? Is he? He's dead, Nina. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.